is episode 290 of the Seahawkers podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz of the Military Seahawkers, and joining me, my good buddy and Montana Seahawker, Adam Emmert. Dad, good to be joining you, man. I was getting a little worried as we went to start the podcast today. I opened up my Skype, and right next to your name, it said, Brandon Schultz, last seen in days. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't been seen. I thought maybe something happened. I haven't been seen by Skype in days. That's uh, yeah. I'm glad to know Skype is keeping track of me. I guess. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, but good to see that you're alive and well through the vi- uh, you know virageddon here. Yeah, and yeah, but uh, you got some Seahawks stuff to talk about. Like, do we really? Because it it seems a little sparse out there. It's a little bit no sparse, sports. but yeah. we have a little bit of news from these past few days. There's even uh, Jadevian Clowney news coming across on Wednesday. Not, you know, the news that we've been waiting right. for, but some news. And I mm-hmm. figured we'd use this time to go back and look at the past 2019 season and talk a little bit about the moves that ultimately led up to uh, last season. And if there were some mm-hmm. good ones, what bad ones, you know, would John Schneider maybe like to have back? And kind of do a look back at uh, at the 2019 season free agency period. Oh wow! Okay, I was not prepared for that. I didn't know that was what we were doing, but that's okay. I'm I'm just gonna wing it like I always do. Exactly. This is yeah. the, your preparation is not is not being prepared <laughs> and reacting to what I've prepared. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Except for today, I was literally sitting down and I was watching quarterback film from uh, the college QBs in this draft. Yes. The the important yeah. position that the Seahawks won't need. Uh, you're always on top of the of the upcoming quarterbacks, but that, I, I I enjoy hey. this. I'm glad you did. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not bagging on you overly, just a little bit. <laughs> it's one of my stupid human tricks. Somehow I'm decent at like evaluating quarterbacks when I don't even watch college football. Uh huh. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> don't know how it works, but it seems to. Now we should go back. I might have to go back to past shows and evaluate how you've evaluated, especially. Yeah. Since we've been doing this since we started, I could probably you know get a pretty good idea. Like go back to the Mahomes and Watson draft to see what you said yeah, about that. Yeah, so the the Mah- Mahomes would be my biggest whiff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, hey, I wouldn't have touched him with a ten foot pole. He was the wildest QB prospect I'd seen <laughs> in a while. The ultimate chucker, it, which was all true. Sure. It, it, in what he put on tape at Texas Tech, but little did I know that he'd go to Andy Reid. It literally was like the perfect situation for him. Andy Reid, that guy who actually, you know, wrangled in another chucker named Brett Favre. Exactly. Yeah. He helped with that. (laughs) Well, with thinking about Mahomes, I also have another bit uh, that I think we'll get to, depending on how uh, time goes. Uh, The Athletic put out their top uh, list of, they, they ranked all the best players at every single number in the NFL. And there's some Seahawks that made the list, so I figured we'd talk about them, too. Okay, so they ranked them by number? Like, jersey number? Yeah, they took all of the NFL jerseys, uh, double zeros through 99, and picked the top player to wear each number of jersey. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we know who number three is. We should probably know who number three is. <laughs> okay. But we can talk about some of the guys that number three beat out, too. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Well, let's kick things off with our Seahawks news. Ed Dixon, cut by the Seahawks, the tight end, mm-hmm. who we didn't see any bit of him last year, really. Uh, thought we might see him, ultimately cut, and the the Seahawks still have four tight ends on the roster. So that's uh, news, but not big news. Yeah, the body was no longer willing for Ed Dixon, which is a bummer. Good, good guy, solid tight end. It was a decent gamble by John Schneider. Didn't pay off. No. 
Kendrick Thompson, the fourth round pick by the Seahawks back in, what was that, 2017? Sounds right. Uh, I know he was selected one spot ahead of uh, Bears safety Eddie Jackson. That's uh, mm-hmm. That was a whiff by the Seahawks and ultimately was uh, a guy that the Seahawks were trying to trade. I haven't seen the actual transaction come out, but he is—he was announced that the Seahawks are releasing him. And I feel, I feel like this is a move to where like the Seahawks say, okay, we're going to allow you to go for it and try and find a trade. They did that. And now they've announced that he's going to be released. And then so they wait a day and go, you know, is there anybody who's willing to offer a seventh round conditional pick in the next year's draft? And, you know, maybe if there's a taker, then, then we'll take that before he's released. I feel like that's the period that we're in now. But then uh, we'll find out, you know, either on April 1st or 2nd that he's been released. Well, I'm I'm a little confused because I feel like I saw uh, the trans the transaction actually reported as injury waived. Oh, OK. We're at, yeah. Or maybe it was just waived and then Ed Dixon was injury waived. It was one or the other. Yeah, it was Dixon that was injury waived on the NFL's transaction wire on okay. the 31st. I didn't see Thompson yet. So that's I- OK. I think I'd seen like Condota retweet the transaction. So I think I think it's done. OK. But the, the thing about it is, is I'm freaking stunned that nobody gave up a draft pick for T2. Yeah, weird, huh? Can't believe it. Yeah, it's almost as though Tedrick Thompson was not a guy who any team was willing to upgrade their starting position at anywhere in the NFL. Yeah, you don't give up draft picks for a potential backup? No, I, I don't uh, think the, so. The, you don't do that when you can just side them off the waiver wires if uh, you are somehow interested for some unknown reason. But uh, two moves that I think we all have anticipated for quite some time clears up some cap space, however much that is. Um, I'm sure there's people out there that have reported numbers. The, again, to me, they're all magic until the end of the year or end of the off season. So I guess we'll see what that means. Some people got very excited, thinking that oh. Maybe this means they're actually going to sign Clowney. Well, hasn't happened yet because Captain Indecisive has seemingly decided to not decide anything still. I think we do have a decision by Clowney, though. I've seen reports coming across on Wednesday. uh, This one from Diana Rossini that says, as we continue to watch the market for Jadevian Clowney, I am told by several sources the asking price has been moved off that $20 million plus number and it's closer to 17 to 18 mil. This could spark more interest. Also told Titans and Seahawks are still, quote, interested, unquote. So wait, you're telling me that by dragging this out longer, his leverage has decreased and he's having to lower his asking price? Huh. No way. <laughs> Who would have thunk? But yeah, around that $17 million mark, I mean, heck, that that seems okay for me. John Schneider, give him a call. Get the deal done. But since John is a very shrewd guy, maybe he's like, all right, you came down to 17. How low will you go? Let's play defensive end limbo here. How low will you go, Clowney? Let's go. It really depends how long you want to wait it out because you do ultimately, you know, Everson Griffin's still out there. You don't want... Clowney to be taken and Griffin to be taken by two other teams and then be left with nothing but, you know, hoping that you can re-sign Ziggy Anza for some reason, which, uh, you know, that's uh, we'll get into is probably one of the worst moves uh, that they've made in in recent free agency history. So I, I feel like they're going to have to set a deadline of some sort and say, hey, if we don't have an answer by this time, we're going to move on. 
And that, that's ultimately, I think, how it's going to get done. Yeah, it does seem that way, right? And you keep hearing the little reports trickle out here and there from people around Clowney talking about how much he enjoyed Seattle. Uh, he talked to, was it Dorsett that he had talked to or Shell? It was Shell. One of those. Okay, it was Shell who he had conversations with. Um, just saying, hey, you're going to like playing here. Pete's cool. Culture's good. Winning organization. You hear reports of him saying things like being in Seattle taught me how to be a pro on a different level. That that is something that uh, changed for him in his time here in Seattle. So I, I'd be surprised if all offers being equal, he goes somewhere like Tennessee rather than Seattle. But I mean, look, if I'm clowny i look at this and i go am i hitching my wagon to ryan Tannehill yeah. or russell carrington wilson it almost feels to me like he's on a ghost transition tag you know the seahawks have the ability to use a transition tag or a franchise tag the transition tag allows you to match any other team's offer that comes in and while they don't have that on him officially it, it, it feels like that's the situation they're in right now yeah it does a little bit right I mean, they've kind of floated out their offer and everybody else is like, do we want to match it or go above? Mm -hmm. And to this point, it doesn't seem like anybody really does. So we will continue to watch the clowny news over the next week. You know, probably be another week when we're still back here. When, when do you think this ultimately gets resolved? Sometime between now and then. <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly don't know. I, I can't put. I'd be, you know, talking out my butt. Yeah, more that's all I wanted. Usual. I just wanted your, your okay. talking out your butt prediction on when this all is right. going to end. Um, I guess I hadn't looked at, and, and all the dates now are totally fluid with, you know, coronavirus, yeah. right? And, Draft and, is still going to be April 23rd to 25th, but, you know, mini camps and off-season training and all that jazz is going to be messed I'd up. I'd be surprised if it doesn't happen before the draft. Okay. I guess if if you're just asking my gut feel with no information whatsoever, <laughs> that, that would be it right there. It would be weird for it because one of the things that we heard in the past week is that Clowney could be willing to take it all the way to training camp because there's no real deadline. No, but that seems like a long time for the Seahawks to try and wait things out. And for other guys out there, I, I, go get Griffin and Clowney do both. Right. That would be amazing. Uh, I do hear people kind of wringing their hands over some of these second tier, third tier pass rushers uh, that um, are coming off the board now. I mean, Adrian Claiborne's name came up with the Browns, uh, another very Brown signing. Uh, people were bummed out about that. And I'm sitting there wondering why. I mean, I like Adrian Claiborne for about one game a year. He comes out and he has like 17 sacks in one game and then doesn't do diddly squat the rest of the year, every year. Like he's a one to two game wonder every year. Yeah. That's not somebody that I'm super excited to to sign to a, a contract. I mean, I, I'd like a little more consistent production, no doubt about it. I mean, there's still guys that on the in that second and third tier that you want out there. I, I feel like Griffin and Clowney are the two top guys that are available. But I mean, the unfortunate thing is that all the top guys are gone. But it also you think back to that year where they got both Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill. And they got them at pretty decent prices. I, I feel like the spot that we're in, you could get both of them now for under the, the market price. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I don't know about Griffin's leverage in a sense. I mean, he's just kind of waiting on Clowney. And I guess maybe his contract is going to reflect Clowney's contract, right? Because he's the more premier uh, defensive end. 
and that's going to kind of set the market. Although maybe Robert Quinn already has, if you look at it that way, and that should help set Griffin's value. Um, it's hard to say, but it does seem like uh, but people the might look thing. at Quinn and say, well, I, I'm not going there because you know, the Bears just made a bad deal where they overpaid. Yeah. Maybe that's holding things up. Maybe it is. Maybe that kind of artificially inflated the market for half a tick there. And the rest of the GMs are like, no, 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 no. We're not paying Ryan Pace type money to to people like that guy's an idiot. <laughs> so we're not going to we're not going to play like he does. That That could be part of it. But all right. With all the news out of the way, Adam, how about we look back to last year. And one of the things I wanted to look at is the Frank Clark deal, because it has almost been a year now. And it was probably Mm -hmm. when you think about the moves that John Schneider had to decide on last season, I would say that there were three really big moves. One was the extension for Russell Wilson, extending Bobby Wagner, and then making the deal for Frank Clark. And they were in that situation with with Clark because they had to use the franchise tag on him ultimately. Who knows what the offer was before the franchise tag deadline of of trying to keep him on the team. I'm sure they had a number in mind. And when that didn't happen, and the fact that they only had four draft picks going into the draft, they, they looked at that as a possible opportunity. They end up getting a 2019 first-round pick they used on LJ Collier. They got a 2019 third-round pick that they ultimately traded to... And then they have the 2020 second round pick, 64th overall this year, and we'll see what they do with that. But they gave up Frank Clark, and they also gave up a third round pick that the Chiefs used on Kalen Saunders, an interior defensive tackle, who was pretty good for them as a rookie. And uh, I'm curious what you think a year out now, if that was the right move. Well, if I remember correctly, going into that offseason, when it came to cap space and everything, and you're looking at the guys are going to keep or extend. I mean, it's Russ Wags and, and Frank Clark, right? Mm-hmm. And it felt like at the time, really two out of three was about all you're going to be able to do without totally hamstringing the team. And if I had to make that decision again, knowing what I know today, I'd do the exact same thing. Because we haven't seen what LJ Collier will be. A lot of people already trying to declare him a bust. And I think that's a gigantic mistake. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be a star. I just have no idea. Jury's still out. Let's see. And one of the things we heard from Pete Carroll and John Schneider, it seemed like they were, uh, it seemed like they were making the commentary that maybe Collier was a little bit more injured than was led on during the season last year. And that would make a lot of sense because Pete is always positive when it comes to guys and their injuries and then so at the end of the season, they're saying, yeah, well, maybe he, you know, we expect more from him this year. Because when you look back to last season and Ziggy Anza, a one-year, $9 million signing, that was a move that Collier, it felt like Collier, if if he was at all healthy, he should have been able to produce at the, at the level that, uh, that Ziggy Anza was able to produce at. Yeah, who was also injured a lot as well. Um, yeah, the Ziggy contract, we'll, we'll get to that. But to play out this Frank Clark thing just a little bit more, so yeah. they ended up with the third uh, last year from the Chiefs, and then they traded that. They traded down with that, right? I think that one. I, so I think the third round pick from the Chiefs, they used another pick to move up to eighty eight uh, with Minnesota and drafted Cody Barton. So you, you know, ask yourself, does that does that seem like a good value? Yeah, Cody Barton came in and he played, and he looks to be a guy that could possibly be the future at 
one of the linebacking positions and somebody they're very high on. So that's that's a cool part of the trade. That's definitely not a bust, right? No. Um, so we'll see what happens with LJ Collier, see what happens with Cody Barton. And then, again, you got that second-round pick from the Chiefs this year. And then on top of all of that, you got to keep Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson. So, I mean, I don't know. I just don't know what else you do differently there. I don't know that there is a much better move. I mean, I guess at that point we're not in this um, desperation mode for pass rushers that we kind of feel like this year. That's the that's the flip side of it. And Frank Clark, uh, while starting out slow with the Chiefs, finished very strong and ended up with a chip. So good for him. And I guess I, that's one of those that works. I think it was a win-win for everybody. Yeah, I was looking at his stats, and yeah, he did get a slow start, and Chiefs fans were not happy uh, through six weeks of last season. Ultimately, finishes with eight sacks, and uh, his QB hits, though, were cut in half from his 2018 season with Seattle. Uh, He dropped from about 74% of the snaps down to 65% with the Chiefs in 2019, so that impacted his numbers, too. But yeah, overall, good for them, especially being on a line with Chris Jones. Uh, the, the Seahawks pass rush was definitely impacted. And I think that takes us to, you know, what we've been talking about as, as one of the bigger whiffs. And when you look at the cap hit that the Chiefs ultimately took by bringing on Clark, it was like a $6 million cap hit in his first year because they backloaded mm-hmm. a lot of his contract. And so when you consider the $9 million it took to bring on Zianza to the team, I mean, that, I guess that's what hurts the most, knowing that you probably could have fit all three of those guys, Wagner, Wilson, and Clark under the cap. Now, who, how that would have turned out with the draft, who knows, but that they could have done it. They probably wouldn't have gone out and got Clowney right before the season mm-hmm. because they, they probably would have been tight there. I don't know. Would they have been able to make it work? I don't know. Sure. If you, if you move enough things around, but. Yeah, it. Uh, I just keep going back to the Anza move being such a big whiff, and I think it was one that we were kind of excited about at the time last year. Well, yeah, I mean, you talked a little bit about the $6 million cap hit in comparison to the $9 million cap hit for Ziggy, and all right, fine. So for last year, that's the case, but ask yourself this. I mean, the Chiefs are going to be in a much tighter spot down the line with the contract being backloaded the way that it is. I mean, it's going to get difficult for him. That stuff doesn't disappear. No. Like that's how that's how teams end up like the Rams after having a stint of success. Difference being is that Patrick Mahomes is actually good and Jared Goff is, you know, this generation's Joe Flacco, but it's uh that's how you end up in that kind of salary cap hell and where your team kind of implodes and that's one of the things that is very impressive about what John has done and Pete himself with the mantra of win forever and the idea that they keep keep us in contention year in and year out, which some people hate. They they want us to either win the Super Bowl or, you know, four games, and that's how they'd like to see the Seahawks go about things. Have a top five uh, pick or go to the Super Bowl. It, one of those swings. I tend to enjoy what we're doing. <laughs> Uh, I like being in contention every year and have a real shot of um, making a deal like they did for Ansa last year that was a lot of high-risk, high-reward. I mean, Ziggy was a guy in Detroit that had a couple really big seasons Mm -hmm. and really wasn't that old. 
Um, I mean, he's 30 now, so it's not like he was over the 30 hump when they signed him on that one-year deal. You're talking about a shoulder injury, not something to the legs to affect his speed and that sort of thing. Turns out it must have affected his power and those sort of things because he really wasn't that effective. So it was, it was one of those, if you if you hit on it, it's a home run. And if you whiff, it's a big whiff. And because you're putting a lot of eggs in that basket, and Ziggy turned out to be a whiff. You can't win them all. No, it's. Uh, but I think it is important to go back and take a look at just some of the moves. You know how if they moved the pieces around a little bit differently, would last year mm-hmm. been a little more of a success? If they would have not needed to bring on, if if they wouldn't have needed to take the chance on Anza, or if they would have just decided to try and go with it with veteran players who were at a lower cost and maybe not necessarily take the risk on Anza, would they have Mm -hmm. been able to keep a guy like Justin Coleman? Would they have been able to keep Earl Thomas on the team who only had a $7 million cap hit for the Ravens last season? So I think that the one that I I think I would have liked to seen how it would have played out differently is keeping Justin Coleman, not bringing on Jamar Taylor, who was a huge bust, And I mean, not bust in terms of the amount of money that you paid him, but in terms of the amount of time he was on the field versus the production that you Mm -hmm. got, I, I, I would have rather traded the Anza deal for Coleman. Yeah. I I don't know about that per se. I think you needed to take a gamble on the the time. (laughs) I just, I, I don't think that the Seahawks should be paying a lot of money for corners. Yeah. I just, I've said it a million times and I'll say it again. That is the position that they are uniquely gifted at drafting and developing more so than other teams. It just ha- That just happens to be that position for them. So I don't think you pay somebody like Justin Coleman the type of money that he got. You can find somebody like Amadi that eventually steps into the role and is good. Now you make a shrewd trade for Dunbar and maybe you kick him into the slot or maybe Flowers kicks into the slot. Like All of a sudden, I mean, there's... Corner is a place that they have a lot of options and flexibility, and they're good at identifying talent either on other teams or through the draft and developing it. So I just I I don't know that the trade off for Coleman would have been worth it. Maybe if you could have kept Earl, that would have been nice, just because he obviously had some left in the tank. But maybe with this training staff, it would have just been another injury injury riddled year, mm-hmm. and that which would have been a bummer. It was tough watching Earl also in a Ravens jersey. That was a bummer. Um, a lot of what ifs. I mean, it's kind of that what if game, but I don't mind the the risk that they took on Ziggy. I, it wasn't like bringing in Eddie Lacy. Like that was one of those free agent signings that you just looked at and you're like, "This is dumb as catfish." I remember and, you thinking about that move. Yeah, and Ziggy wasn't. It did. It didn't turn out, but it wasn't as obvious as maybe like other past free agent signings that made you shake your head. Well, if that's the case going down this list, I don't know if there is a move that jumps out to me as being an Eddie Lacy type move. I I can go down the list for you, Adam. I I brought up Jamar Taylor. They signed Nate Orchard and, uh, and Cassius Marsh, who they ended up releasing, but those were low cost signings. Uh, They didn't keep Mike Davis. He went to Chicago. Shamar Stefan went to Minnesota uh, they allowed Brett Hundley to leave for the Cardinals, which was an upgrade to Geno Smith. They signed Jason Myers, who's been an okay kicker. Uh, Mike Upati, Pro Bowl alternate, although I think maybe in name only, but still probably an upgrade over Sweezy. 
KJ Wright resigning. He had a good year. DJ Fluker resigned. Michael Kendricks resigned. Allowed Maurice Alexander to go to the Bills. Nico Thorpe resigned. So I, there's not a move out of those that really strikes me as, as, as a head scratcher. No, all solid, thoughtful signings that either addressed needs or kept guys in house like KJ that they, they like having on this roster. And really, I mean, if you want to be super critical of it, I guess that would be they didn't ultimately have enough depth at running back in offensive line. I mean, because that's what kind of derailed the season towards the end, right? If you had more depth on the offensive line and had a running game, maybe you don't lose that game to Arizona at the at, in week 16. Sure, yeah. Not to speak about the regular season, but even you probably don't lose that game to Green Bay. Yeah. A game that you felt like if they had one more possession, we're moving on. I mean, basically they were, in a lot of ways, they were... Ziggy Ansah not popping away from being in the Super Bowl this this last year. I mean, because think about it. Sure. San Francisco, we beat them once in their house. We come within a quarter of an inch of beating them uh, late in the season, right? That decides all sorts of stuff for the playoffs. And the Niners go to the Super Bowl, and we're a quarter of an inch worse than them. And the difference probably is Clowney's core injury and Ziggy not popping. Or or Collier not popping right the, as as a first round pick, right? I mean, football's a little bit of luck. Oh, and then every running back that's ever been for the Seahawks getting hurt all at once. I think Sean Alexander pulled a hamstring walking around the tunnel, like you know, retired. Like, I think every ex Seahawks running back went down with an injury last year. I think if you look uh, in the you know hospital records around the country, every Seahawks running back, former and and present underwent surgery last year yeah yeah it's somewhere ricky waters was on crutches <laughs> well hey you you brought up some uh memorable seahawks running backs and uh it turns out list season started a little bit early with the athletic releasing their greatest players to wear each number in the nfl and a few of the guys that you mentioned were they, they weren't the greatest but they were honorable mentions when you talk about ricky waters and sean alexander uh, they had some other players ahead of them that beat them out at those particular spots. But I wanted to go down this list because it's interesting to me that out of 99 or 100 numbers, I suppose, because double zero was on there with yeah. uh, And see, I, I know you know your NFL trivia, Adam. You will be able to name the greatest player to wear the double zeros. He was a Raider. And I'm totally blanking. <laughs> <laughs> on his name he only has uh, uh the of uh, the the uh student what is it uh, what do you call it when it's uh, another number for the thing or another name for the thing uh dick <laughs> 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 no what do you call what do you call oh. two zeros uh ot yeah it's in his name okay tyler ot <laughs> <laughs> Jim Otto. No, it's, it's something. Yeah, there it is. Okay. <laughs> so when you said the other name for the thing, you weren't making a, a penis reference? <laughs> no, no, it turns out it wasn't. <laughs> oh. I, I just wasn't following. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I could tell. 
<laughs> but you I weren't trying to it wasn't dick auto no <laughs> <laughs> okay That's a, i was like okay another name for the thing that is a human name it was either peter or dick i, I didn't know <laughs> i i love where your head's at though <laughs> <laughs> i was trying i was trying but i was right he's, he's a raider he's an x-raider yeah i can picture him you, you got you got teeth. the x-raider Okay. You always bring them up when you bring up the double zeros and how Tyler Ott should wear the double zeros. That's that's why I, I thought for sure this was going to be a. I, I thought I was tossing you a softball. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I'm a little fuzzy on my double zeros today. I guess I was well, thinking too much about the D. <laughs> I don't even know if I want to throw number one at you now. <laughs> uh, number one, it's got to be Warren Moon, right? It is Warren Moon. So a former Seahawk there. I didn't count him. As the seven Seahawks, because the seven I reserved for guys who spent a significant portion of their career, you know, at least half uh, or or maybe just a tinge under half. All right. I see you're adjusting your approach to this. Yeah. There's a Jerry lot of Rice there. did not make my list of all time Seahawks uh, okay. to, to wear the to wear the number. A couple years ago, he would have. It's true. You would have, you would have put him in there as that. Yes, I, I did. I, I did put those guys in my notes, though, just as to be aware. Okay. This is going to take a long time to go through 100. <laughs> we're, we're not going to go through all 100. You already guessed number three, and Russell beat out. I, I thought there would have been more number threes. He beat out Jan Stenerud, Daryl mm-hmm. LaMonica, and Carson Palmer. Gosh, I never think of Carson Palmer as a number three. Was he three with the Raiders? I don't know. I just, I, I don't picture, when I think of Carson Palmer, I don't even think of his number. He was nine with the Bengals and with the cards, right? He wore nine for the Bengals, three for the Raiders, and three for the Cardinals. All right. So, see, he didn't even spend his whole career in the same number. He can't win. No, definitely not. Why is he even on this list? <laughs> Screw that <laughs> amazing, guy. Amazing premise. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know Did why. They put he's on if, this list. If I'm going to scroll down to number nine. If they also put him on at number nine, there are like some huge Cardinals homers that, uh, no, okay. He, he, they didn't list him at number nine. Thank goodness. Okay. All right. Who is listed at number nine? Just out of curiosity. Now. Let's, let's see if you can guess. Let's see how well you know your trivia because there's four <laughs> names here. I think you should be able to pull one of them. Good Lord. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. Carson got a mention within the paragraph, though. Not not among the honorable mentions, though. Okay. Drew Brees, number nine. Oh, there we go. Got the number one. Steve McNair, yeah. uh, Sonny Jurgensen, and Tony Romo also wore nine. Oh, man. Dang, that I am kind of embarrassed. I couldn't think of a nine there. I've never been good at the the jersey number name thing. Like that was something that uh, Lefko and Sims used to kind of do on their podcast, and they'd be like, "Oh, who's the best number twenty seven in the league right now?" And I'm like, uh, "No effing clue." <laughs> <laughs> number nine is kind of a weird one, though. Like number eight, I think you would be able to guess that. Number seven, you'd be able to guess Elway and Steve Young, right? Yep. Okay. See, I, I'm trying to build your confidence back up here. Okay, Tark, is it is it uh, is it Johnny? U? No, Johnny U was 19. He has to be the the best 19, right? No, they got him at second best. What? Lance Allworth. Okay, okay, all right. Ugh. I'd still choose Johnny U, but Lance yeah. Allworth was amazing uh, wide receiver, no doubt about it. Like I can't be mad about that. They, they the did reference until- that it was a difficult decision in, in the okay. paragraph. All right. So Montana's got to be 16, right? Yeah. Guess who? Um, guess who's 15? This was this was wild to me. 
And you you mentioned his name earlier. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. Um, you, you've already mentioned it in the previous 30 minutes. You've probably mentioned it in the top uh, five to 10 minutes of the show. Wow. Okay. I, I, that's how much I pay attention to what I say. Uh, it's not uh, Dave Hostetler? No, it's not. I don't even see him on the list. No, they have Patrick <laughs> Mahomes as the top oh, number the 15. Okay, yeah. Over Bart Starr. Oof. Isn't that tough? Like, Mahomes I, has had oof. a good couple seasons, but come on now. That feels like some recency bias there. I think maybe by the end of Mahomes' career. Yeah. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm just saying there's a chance that you could put him above Bart, Bart Starr. Maybe that was based on future production. Like there was some sort of model put in place there. <laughs> they're doing they're doing professional modeling for, for uh, football uh, careers. For football careers now. Well, yeah, why maybe. Not? What else are they everybody doing? We're all sitting at home. All right, let's go to number 17. And I just I like the fact that Dave Craig, he wasn't the number one, but he got an honorable mention. So I, I had to throw that out there. Not Steve DeBerg? No, they didn't even throw uh, DeBerg into the list. They, they <laughs> Phil Rivers. Uh, and, yeah, I was going to say Rivers. Was Fal- no, Fouts was 14, right? Yeah, Harold Carmichael got the uh, the nod at, for the top guy. Really? Yeah. Over Rivers? Over Rivers. Huh. I mean, I, I think of Harold Carmichael as like a Hall of Fame player, no doubt about it. it just because he was so huge for... For a receiver back in the day, it was it was kind of more of a freak show. So they deferred than, on the recency bias to Philip Rivers, but not to the reigning Super Bowl champ, the Mahomes. Yeah, not the reigning Super Bowl champ. So I don't know. Well, I guess if Rivers had a Super Bowl chip, then maybe he would have got it. Yeah, maybe. Marshawn Lynch in as an honorable mention for number 24. But there were a lot of number 24s. Let's see. Let's see if you can pull the number one guy from the list of all the 24s. This is going to be tough because it was. Uh, Willie Brown, Willie Wood, Champ Bailey, Darrell Rivas, Ty Law, Charles Woodson, Everson Walls, and Marshawn Lynch. Good Lord. Yeah, a lot of 24s. That's, that's tough. I mean, is it Champ Bailey? Is he, the, is. Is he the... That's who they picked, okay. is Champ Bailey. So good, I think, good, uh, good move. Yeah, I think that's solid. I uh, think Champ I would have taken Woodson. I, it would be hard for me to argue that, but didn't he switch to 26 when he was with the Raiders? Yeah, he wore 24 with the Raiders and 21 with the Packers. Okay. So, yep, that knocks oh, him Charles down. Charles Woodson, not Rod Woodson. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. But there was a number change in there, so. How was, how was 24 not retired in Seattle? It's weird. It would be weird seeing another guy in 24. Yeah. Or didn't somebody it, it, on defense wear 24 this last year? They tried it for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. And then they got <laughs> cut, rightfully so. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, they had to clear out the number because they were going to bring uh, Beast back for a late stretch. We didn't know. Uh, maybe a little recency bias for number 25, former Seahawk. What about 25? A little bit of recency bias with the top player oh, wearing Sherm? 25. Sherm got the got the nod. Who are the other nominees? Fred Blitnikoff is the guy who beat, beat out. I put Blitnikoff ahead, Sherm. Uh, who else? Uh, LaShawn McCoy, Reggie Bush, Dorsey Levins, Chris Harris Jr., Dorsey Levens was mentioned in there? <laughs> I, I know. Reggie Bush and Dorsey Levens being at 25. There's other dudes who wore 25. Reggie Bush had an impact on the league. I mean, oh yeah, uh, Shady was definitely better. But yeah, Fred Blitnikoff, definitely a more prolific player at his position than Sherman has been. 
And that's not, I mean, I'm splitting hairs between like the best to ever wear that number. So I'm not like taking a crap on Sherman here. <laughs> right. It's just, that's how good Blitnikoff was. So Earl Thomas and Cam both got mentions underneath Eric Dickerson and Donnie Shell for 29 and 31. Okay. Ricky Waters and Sean Alexander got honorable mentions beneath OJ Simpson, who they named at number 32. You know, yeah, it's one of those you got to separate the player at that time from who he became later in life because he was dominant on the football field. Yeah, but wasn't Jim Brown 32? Oh, my God. Well, yeah, but that wasn't the NFL, though, right? That was pre the Browns being a part of the NFL. Uh, 65 was his last year. Was that he was in before there was even a Super Bowl? Yes. That's lame. <laughs> they should go back pre-Super Bowl era to throw in Jim Brown. Yeah, it kind of feels like a ridiculous list at this point without arguably the greatest player to ever lace him up. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, the former 49ers Hall of Fame corner, got in over Alexander. Okay. Uh, Eugene Robinson, who had a, a pretty good period of his career in Seattle, got number 41. Mm-hmm. Okay. 45, Kenny Easley, of course. Not, not a lot of competition since it was uh, Gary Fensick, I think, was the only other guy who was named. <laughs> All right. Uh, number 54, no honorable mention for Bobby Wagner, Brian Erlacher getting the nod. I thought that was a little bit of a whiff on not even mentioning a future Hall of Famer. Who are Bobby the honorable Wagner. mentions then? Uh, Chuck Howley and Randy White were the only other two listed as honorable mentions. Okay, I don't know anything about Howley, uh, but I do know a fair amount about Randy White. Very good player. Um, I believe there were other people on that Dallas defense that were better players, whereas uh, Wags, I mean, he's been the heart and soul of this defense for a couple years now and has been the best at his position for three, four years. I, I don't know how he doesn't overtake Randy White. Give me a break. And Howley, if you, you know, he he was an NFLer through before most of the time that there was an NFL, uh, 58 through 73, longtime player, though. Well, that makes me feel better for having no clue who that guy is. Yeah. Uh, Of course, number 71. I mean, who else is it going to be? Yeah. How many other great 71s are there? (laughs) Uh, They listed Jason Peters, Tony Baselli, Fred Dean. Okay. Yeah, they got the right one. Yeah. In 13 seasons, Walter Jones gave up only 23 sacks and was called for holding only nine times. That's the one, right? (laughs) Nine holding penalties. In 13 seasons. Right. And Effetti has what? Double digit penalties every year since his. Well, they're not all holding to <laughs> no, in his but defense. Still... <laughs> yeah. How many false starts do you think Walter Jones had? I bet not very many. He had a half of a false start. There was one play <laughs> where the center forgot this snap count and everybody moved and they just had to call it on somebody. And they gave it to so they happened to call it on Walter. And uh, it really wasn't his fault. So I gave him a half, half a penalty on that one. Don't look that up, but Don't, it feels true. It feels true. All right. We're, we're almost through the list here. So I'm glad folks are hanging in there. But uh, Dan Deerdorf at number 72. I just throw him out there because Joe Nash got an honorable mention uh, for oh. wearing number 72. Fantastic. Well-deserved. The greatest, uh, second greatest Tecmo Bowl player in Tecmo Bowl. Oh, my gosh. He was the guy that you wanted at the nose in Tecmo Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, the perfect spot, too, because as in Tech Mobile, I don't know if you're like me, I, I wanted to rush the passer every single time. 
Well, because all you had to do was you could do the dive, mm-hmm. like right past the center, and you could blow up, you know, the majority of plays, especially if it is a pass play that was from under center. You could just wipe out the quarterback before he even <laughs> hit his second step in the drop. Um, any running play that was up the middle destroyed with that. So if you were, if you're playing Tech Bowl and you really wanted to be competitive and have some fun with people, you had to eliminate the uh, use of the nose tackle by the human player. You had to choose a different one. I see. I usually went to the edge, and I think it was Sinclair. Was he on the edge? Oh, if you played with the Seahawks, yeah, yeah I believe he was. Yeah. No, but I would or uh gosh, who was the other guy that was on the edge? Somebody fast. It's been a, it's been a two years since I've played Tecmo Bowl, so it might be a good time to get I have it. to bust that out today. I've actually found the Nintendo yesterday. Yeah, all right. Yeah. It was MIA. It was in it was in my my Jeep. It was it was underneath the seat. Oh jeez. For some unknown reason. <laughs> That's yeah. A really odd spot to put your Nintendo. Well, it's the newer, you know, the small one that's oh, like sure. the size of your palm, mm-hmm. right? And it's in its little case. And we take it and we'll plug it into the camper TV for like rainy nights, right? There you go. And so it just ended up under there, I guess. It's the girlfriend's fault. I yeah. blame her. <laughs> Joe Nash's fault. We can blame him too for taking us off track. He knows what he did. Steve Hutchinson at number 76 beat out Orlando Pace and Steve Wisniewski. Ooh, uh, I got to disagree there. You think Pace? You think Pace gets it? Yeah, yeah, I do. Number eighty, they picked a guy named Jerry Rice, who I think played for the Seahawks for uh, for a minute. Who? I know Steve Largent. <laughs> they they whiffed big on, but there was some there's some real competition at number eighty with Largent, James Lofton, Kellen Winslow, yeah. Chris Carter. Oh yeah, there's some all timers that wore the number eighty, no doubt about it. Seahawks Hall of Famer John Randall, number ninety three. <laughs> there it is. He threw that, threw that in there. Uh, and yeah. then Cortez at 96. Okay. There you go. Uh, was Warren Sapp the 99? No. Oh. But you should be able to guess the, who got it. Uh, mean Joe Green. No, somebody, I, else I in the, what somebody else in the NFC West. Uh, oh, Aaron Donald. Yeah. You start to think about the old players, and then you start forgetting about the new players. Like when we started this exercise, I thought it was just in the playing in the league today when you like tease this oh i didn't realize it was all time so i was only thinking of modern players then i had to switch gears to like old players and then trying to switch back to new players this has been a roller coaster for me (laughs) is what i'm getting at (laughs) really difficult i I think you did pretty well no (laughs) i give myself a thumbs down for that segment brandon (laughs) and a solid do better let's see if you can salvage it by picking who number 11 was number 11 um Jim Everett. Okay, he failed. Number okay. 84. Oh, that's got to be Randy. Yeah. All right, who was 11, though, smartass? <laughs> Another amazing Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame wide receiver. Oh, is it Larry? Okay. Yeah, it's Larry. Gotcha. There. With, with a little bit of a hint, you, you salvaged it. Well, yeah, but also the underappreciated career of Jim Everett. <laughs> You know, he's a guy I, I couldn't even... If you would have asked me who Jim, what number Jim Everett wore, I wouldn't be able to pull it. I guess I just remember that one from... That was some of my first formative football years watching uh, Rams Niners on like Monday Night Football on our back little edition off the single wide trailer with like the little black and white TV that was all of like 10 inches across. 
and just they had battles, man. Niners Rams. It, that that game just seemed like it was always on as a kid, at like eight nine years old. Uh, number twenty makes me laugh a little bit, uh, just <laughs> uh, based on politics. You know who number twenty is? It's got to be Barry, right? It is Barry. And do you okay. remember when uh, Garth Brooks here recently went to play a concert oh. in Detroit and he wore yeah. a Sanders twenty jersey? And people online in Detroit. Yeah, in Detroit, and, and people online were mistaking it for a, uh, a Bernie Sanders 2020 jersey. Endorsement. Give me a break. Good call. On to the second half of the show. All right. Sounds good, man. All right. Well, congrats on making it to the second half of the show. You made it through our <laughs> number segment. So uh, here we are, Adam. Okay. Yeah. No, I know maybe there's going to be people who'd be like, that was stupid, and that's fine. But I, there's other things that other people have been doing in the sports media with the total lack of live sports to, you know, commentate on and, you know, drive the news cycle, right? Like, there's this whole thing of rewatching old games right now and, like, breaking them down. Or playing the season as a video game and breaking down uh, what is happening in the video game. Okay, that one, I, I don't even want to touch with it. With a you don't want to simulate the Seahawks season with Tecmo Bowl and talk about the great game that Chris Carson had against the against the Rams. Joe Montana beats Patrick Mahomes in Super Bowl ninety eight in Madden Sim forty seven. Yeah, just catfishing, stupid. Now, I but I am I am interested though in your take on the rewatching of old games and breaking down. Is this something you're doing? Are you going back and rewatching old games? Is that? Is that something you're doing to occupy your time? You know, depending how long this goes for, Adam, I propose to you that we go back and cover the 2012 season as Seahawks fans and and, mm. and podcast about the the season before the Super Bowl season. Because we started in 2013. We missed that whole first season of Russell Wilson's career. It would be nice to go back and rewatch that and maybe give some thoughts. Uh, even, even now with having the historical perspective on it, I, I think mm -hmm. that could be interesting. Yeah, it could actually. And, you know, we had kind of, I mean, maybe not directly to one another, but we both had bantied the idea of doing it that 2012 year. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I I was sad that I didn't. And I, I kind of think you felt the same way. And then uh, we stumbled upon doing it in 2013. So maybe, yeah, it's almost like a lost season of podcasting that we were meant to do just didn't. Right. Well, I think it was yeah. because you and Jared started in 2012 and and maybe you st i don't remember if you started at the beginning of the season or part way through but uh it I was definitely recall. in that time frame yeah i think it was like mid-season or so yeah. yeah that was that was a snarky ass show <laughs> <laughs> uh well we have some nfl news that we can put here in the second half of the show playoffs officially expanded to seven teams starting next season yeah, so uh, I didn't look a ton into that, but my basic understanding is that there's an extra team for each conference, right? And now the two seed no longer gets a buy, correct? Only the one seed will get a buy. Okay, I just want to make sure I understood that correctly. Yeah, you, you got it. You nailed it, dude. Okay. Um. Yeah, I I kind of dig it. Rams would have got in this last season. Yeah, I think the biggest bummer about it would have been the Rams getting in. No, I, the biggest bummer <laughs> is that annually you're going to get that team that's seven and nine in the playoffs. That's kind of hot garbage. 
But then sometimes it might be fun because it might be that team that like really turned it on towards the end or got healthy towards the end of the year. The only sub 500 teams that have made it in the past 10 years have been division winners, though. That's true. It helped to keep all the the non-division division winning seven and nine teams out because you had to win the division to basically make it in at seven and nine. Right. Right. Okay. Now you could do it without winning the division a little more readily. But I think that all of the teams that would have made it in the last 10 years would have been above the 500 threshold. The Steelers would have made it at eight and eight last year, though. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, it would have been fun to watch their, you know, no quarterback team try to compete in the playoffs. That would have been great. Well, didn't it happen the year before? (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. It definitely had a bunch of no quarterback teams competing in the AFC. No, two years ago. That was the, no, it was two years ago the, Final four that featured the names of like Kirk Cousins and Nick Foles. And was that two years ago or three years ago? I think that might have been two years ago. I was thinking of the first round when it was, it was a dude who was backing up Deshaun Watson, I think, versus. Are you thinking of Hoyer, like TJ Yates or. Yeah, it was like TJ Yates backing up Watson, who was hurt, versus a dude who was backing up Roethlisberger, who was hurt. And. Oh, okay. Just yeah. made for a terrible wild card game. So I guess we get to look forward to more of that. Is that what you're saying? With this new playoff? I, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I hope interesting teams get in. But I, I like it in particular because the NFC West being the best division of football, uh, you're going to get more of an opportunity to sneak in in the NFC West uh, if you can't win the division. Right. I, I do fully expect us to win the division this upcoming year. I think we should be the odds-on favorite for that. I know a lot of people will disagree with that, but um, just the history of uh, Super Bowl losers and and all of that stuff for the 49ers uh, doesn't bode extremely well. And uh, I don't see the Rams getting better this offseason uh, at all, which is fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, the odd, but, odds makers agreeing with you there. You know what we should look at next week is the actual odds-on favorites for the entire NFL for each division. I mean, at this point, right, the NFC South has to be Tampa Bay, right? Uh, they are not the odds-on favorite, though. They saw Drew Brees last year, right? <laughs> and they don't have Teddy Bridgewater to come in and rescue him anymore. I guess maybe if they play Taysom Hill a bunch, I, I don't know. Drew can't throw it down the field anymore. And it's not like Tom really can, but he can do it better than Brees still. Yeah, most of them have them as one and two, but uh, New Orleans is the number one. As far as the odds on favorites. I don't know. I guess maybe the Malcolm Jenkins signing. And... Yeah, I, I don't know. Didn't they, uh, aren't they collecting all the Jenkins? Or didn't they get <laughs> Janoris Jenkins too? I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> I feel like they did. Uh, it's like we're collecting dudes with cues in their names in the secondary for Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some people want us to trade for Stefan Diggs and collect all the digs. Yeah. That'd be okay yeah. too. I would have dug it. <laughs> you're not supposed to do you, no rim shots brandon those are supposed to just pass right by you like they usually do you don't even give them the the benefit of a chuckle <laughs> and i have to wait for somebody in the ring of honor to be like uh, thanks for that <laughs> well see i have to throw that in there to make sure people knew that i got it because other people are like oh brandon you're letting those whiff by you and i'm i'm no i'm i'm you know i just you're I'm just not, not guff- amused i get it that's fine <laughs> just not guffawing out loud okay how else am I supposed to recognize that there was a joke there? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, besides laughing, which would have been the forced response. 
<laughs> forced. Wow. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, hopefully people are uh, enjoying the show and <laughs> it is the off season. Uh, get in the flock.com if you want to help support the show. <laughs> yeah. If you want more of this sort of quality content throughout the off season, go ahead and get in the flock.com and, you know, we'll continue to make up crap as we go um, just for you. Well, we're going to start bribing people as of this week, because now, uh, you know, before the season, Adam, the, the tiny pieces of SeahawkStuff.com. Mm hmm. Uh, well, Flocktimus Prime went and registered that domain, and now <laughs> you can go to tinypiecesofseahawkstuff.com if you are a member of the flock, or yeah. you can just go to getintheflock.com and look for the April giveaway post. But this month, uh, we are giving away a, a tiny pieces a, a tiny piece of Russell Wilson jersey. So it's oh. uh, it's a Russell Wilson uh, Obsidian Galaxy gear card. And it's number 56 of 100. And there's a little white piece of uh, Russell Wilson jersey in there. What is an Obsidian Galaxy Premier uh, Obs- diamond Obsidian card? Galaxy gear. It's the, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a card. It is. It's not even shaped like a rectangle either. It's like an hourglass shape. What happened to tops or score? Well, this is Panini. No, that's a sandwich. What, what do you mean? What is, what is a panini? Or is, is it a, a sandwich, a, a, a sports card sandwich that has some jersey mushed in the middle of it? Yeah, there you go. Panini's been okay. around forever, dude. Don't act like you don't know. You've never heard of panini cards. No, I'm not acting. I, I literally have never heard of that. Okay. Well, you're just not yeah. a card guy then. They've been around. I used to be. I used to have the binder, you know, the three mm-hmm. ring binder. My prize possession was the... Uh, uh, score Barry Sanders rookie card that at one point oh, yeah. was worth like 50 bucks back in the day. I don't know what it's worth now. I don't know where it is. That I still have pages and pages of Chris Warren football cards. Oh, you know who my my big whiff in football cards was that I thought was going to be great and got in early with all the rookie cards and thought that I was going to be a genius? Dexter Carter for the 49ers. <laughs> for reals. Yeah. Yeah, as a young, like, what, sixth grader, fifth grader, something like that, I was all in on Dexter Carter. I thought he was the next, you know, Roger Craig, the next big name in that Niners offense. Well, I did pretty well then because my two guys were Emmett Smith and uh, Chris Warren. Okay. Yeah. Well, better than me. I I got in on Barry early, though. Okay. I paid $5 for that card. But, uh... Yeah, and then I just had a bunch of Bills stuff. Mm-hmm. I think I threw away every Dolphins card I ever got. <laughs> One of my biggest uh, whiffs was trading away a Dan Marino rookie card. Ooh, ouch. Yeah. Ouch. That's when he had like the mullet curls coming out the back of the helmet, too. <laughs> Traded away for some uh, old-timey baseball card that wasn't worth anything. <laughs> some backup catcher in 1942. No, I think he was a starting pitcher. I think it was, I think I can even remember Bud Adams, I think was the, I, it was definitely oh. Bud. I can't remember if his last name was Adams, but, oh, Bud Daly. Bud Daly. Yeah, that's a name you don't hear anymore, is Bud. <laughs> Not enough Buds out there. There's going to be a whole generation of Buds born uh, about nine months after Virageddon, I think. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, Bud Daly. He played in the league for 10 years, bounced around from Cleveland to New York. Gotcha. gotcha. Okay. There you go. That was well, good for Bud. He lives on with my memory of trading away my Dan Marino card. Yeah. yeah. So how are you holding up through all this, man? Like, uh, I find it personally hilarious 
right now. Everything that's going on with the way people are acting to about not going to work on the daily and like being at home and not being social and like the amount of freak out that people are having over all of that. Because for those of you who don't know about my job, like basically I'll go and work for the weekend. Now I work my balls off for the weekend and it's really hard. Yeah. 12, 14 hour days. Yeah. At least. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, they go up to 16 sometimes and it's dirty and I'm beat up when I come home and all that. But I make the kind of money that I only have to do that on average about every other weekend. So I go weeks at a time without really leaving the house much (laughs) or hanging out with friends or doing that stuff. In fact, like they talk about social distancing and like going on a hike and doing all that stuff out in the woods on your own. That's what I do. This is all what I normally do for the most part. You you haven't changed anything. Yeah, I just cut down on my gas station runs, right? So I'm I'm not there as much. And I, I'm watching everybody else lose their shitfish over this sort of thing, and I'm like, "Welcome to my life. This is it." As a, as a, as a, you know, basically semi-retired hermit, <laughs> this is this is exactly how I normally live. This is how some of us live. Yeah, I know it's well, even for me too, with my job being primarily remote anyway. Yeah, working from home instead of the office is not a difficult thing to do. I mean, I, I would normally go into the office a few days a week, but. Working from home is not unusual, so yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel a whole lot different either on my end. It's, I There are people, though, that are in tough spaces, I think, because if you imagine the family who is, you know, the mom who uh, works at the grocery store and the dad works at the convenience store and the kids are home from school, like, that would be a tough position to be in. Okay, yeah, no, that's totally different. That's not the type of freak out that I find hilarious. That That's the type of freak out where I go, God damn, that's got to be tough. Yeah. Um, no, the ones that I find funny are the ones that, like, you know, they're just at home with their family, and they're just having a hard time, like, not going out every other night to see their friends and stuff. Yeah. Like, my daughter is a, is a prime example of this. Like, she's livid pissed that school <laughs> is closed down. Like, just can't handle it. Is just frustrated as all hell she can't go out and see her friends. Mm-hmm. Why do I have to be punished for not seeing my friends be- just so the old people don't die? Shut up, millennial. And she's not even a millennial, I guess. But no, like, I think it's the next one down. Yeah, the homelanders or whatever the hell they're called. Yeah. Uh, Tell, yeah. Here's what you do. I, I, I was thinking about this because my youngest daughter struggles. Like She's calling her uh, both my mom and uh, my wife's mom on the phone every day, talking to grandparents and you know wanting to talk to friends. Try see if she volunteered to call like the old folks home and just talk to people on the phone. <laughs> I mean, if she's a if she's a social person and just wants to strike up a conversation, I'm sure those people would like to talk. I could see your daughter like just calling up the you know the home up on Buffalo Hill there and yeah. just being like, "Hey, um, this is Brandon's daughter. Can I just talk to somebody's grandma? <laughs> I just want to talk to a grandma. <laughs> she could but do it I, all day too. I think. Oh yeah, no, anyone in particular? No, just any grandma will do. No, yeah. they all have the same corny shitfish. So for me, though, I did uh, one of the things I did over the weekend. I actually even took uh, some leave from work just to have an extra long weekend, just to to feel like it was a little bit of a vacation. Mm -hmm. And I put together an old, uh, uh, you know how they sell those like mini arcade machines like Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat? Mm -hmm. I got one of those and I put in a Raspberry Pi, which is a really small computer. Uh, it's called Raspberry Pi. It's not pie. I know you're you're thinking it. You can't eat it. And you put. I, I'm I'm already disappointed that you got something that's called pie and it's not pie. 
Like that would be very disappointing. But you can put on all the old timey arcade games. And so last oh. night I was playing the Ninja Turtles arcade. I was playing Rampage with my daughters who had never really played Rampage before. I got NBA Jam Tournament Edition on there. Um, so you bought like a so it's like an arcade looking machine. Yeah, like a stand up arcade into? machine. It's not full size, but it's like I don't know three quarter size. So how does that work when some games require more or less buttons or like, or, or is it just kind of a generic one that has enough different controls on it? I got the Street Fighter one, so it has six buttons. Okay. And so you can play pretty much all the games with at least six buttons. Okay. I didn't know what the max buttons were for an arcade game. There might be more. It can't play. I found out that like trying to play Golden Tee or playing uh, um, the bowling games because those all had like the roller balls. Yeah. You can't get like one of those rollerball mouses and like you can get it, but mouses. There's a freaking word. <laughs> I should be I should be a podcaster. A rollerball rollerball mice. Yeah, that, wouldn't that be it? Yeah, yeah, you can get them, but uh, I, I'm not. I didn't go that hardcore. Okay, but you couldn't really hit it like you did the golden tea roller. You know, where you kind of get the big wind up and you wham. You know. To really tee off? Yeah, plus I would have to drill an extra hole into the board, and I actually, I, I didn't want to uh, to take that risk. <laughs> yeah? Hey, are you bad with drills, or like, do you have accidents? Or I mean, there's only so much money I wanted to put into this investment. Like, if I, I, see. If I ruin that. <laughs> I see. Hey, that's why I found the old, uh, Nint- or the new old Nintendo, right? That I have all the games loaded on. It's great. Yeah, it's just like that, except you're playing on the... You get to actually pound the buttons and use the joystick, and uh, it, it just adds a little element to it, especially playing a game like Rampage. Well, that sounds fun, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for me, too. Like, th- this is great because all my jobs have canceled for the mm-hmm. next, like, two months. And it's like, oh, my stars, dare me to go hide out at the cabin for two months. Yeah, dare that's, me. Not, that's not hard for you. No. <laughs> okay, I'll go. Oh, yeah. Hey, well, going back to uh, gettingtheflock.com, or mm-hmm. tiny pieces of seahawkstuff.com. I if if you go there and if you're a member of the flock, you can comment in the comment section, give a go hawks. And uh, any of our flockers in the Ring of Honor level and above will also get a six ounce bag of coffee as long as Ooh. they're as long as they're in the US because shipping anything bigger than a, a card overseas is not cheap. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll, I'll ship the coffee to any US address and either my morning hawkra. Uh, which is our podcast flavor, or um, the flavor that I'm now referring to as the Please Don't Sue Me blend. <laughs> I like it. I yeah. like it. They both have a ring. Uh, they're they're very different rings, but yeah, you'd be you'd be pretty stoked to have either of those. I would think they're Same. very tasty. And I think we'll so we'll let that go until April 14th, and then we'll pick a winner on one of the shows in the second half of April. All right. Cool. CampCreekCoffee.com if you want to check out where the coffee comes from. That's our family-owned shop. My my brother and his wife. CampCreekCoffee.com is, is where the coffee's coming from. Yeah, I, man. I can't really uh, vouch for it because I don't drink coffee, but uh, I'm told it's good. I can. It's good. Sweet. It is. It, Endorsement it is. done. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you were talking about the hawker thing, and I realized something. Being out at the cabin uh, the other day, went for a hike up the the ravine and this hawk flew over and like screams at me right you know does the hawk noise yeah kind of like swoops in i don't know he was mad for whatever reason but i i don't know if you do this or if anybody else does it like every time they see like a hawk like on a fence post or whatever when you're driving around 
almost every time without fail, I think I either say out loud or think to myself, go Hawks. I like it. Yeah. I yelled, go Hawks back at him. <laughs> maybe uh, that's what it was. Maybe he wasn't mad. He was just, maybe he yeah. saw your Seahawks hoodie and was go hawking you. I think that probably was it. There you go. Yeah. yeah. And then I saw him the next day and he was cool too. So yeah, on the same page. Devin in North Hollywood emails in, uh, follow Devin Curry at Devin Curry on Twitter says, Hey guys, I'm nearing the end of my freeloader status. So I thought Ooh. I might buy a little more time by sharing this interesting bit of off season content. Thanks for putting this out there for all the distant twelves and keeping us connected to home, especially in times like these go Hawks. And so we have some homework here, Adam. It's oh. the mysterious universe podcast. And this this sounds like it might be up our alley. The, just the description. In the 1970s, the U.S. military believed they could create a super soldier, one who could use psychic powers to walk through walls, disarm the enemy through telepathy, or kill a goat by staring at it. On this episode, we discuss the incredible story of the continuation of this research into the modern day and find out how it influences modern elite sport. From Russian Olympians shape-shifting to golfers imagining... From Russian Olymp, there should be a comma here. From Russian Olympians <laughs> shape shifting, is it Russian Olympians shape shifting to golfers? Because that would be amazing. Yeah, I think I think that's pro you wanted a comma there. I think it was worded perfectly. I want to see Russian Olympians shape shift into golfers. Two golfers imagining they are Darth Vader. Right. The stories yes. are weirder than you can imagine. I'm going to send you this I, link, that, link, Adam. We need to check this out. I, I'm excited about this. That's pretty great. I'm texting it to you now. All right. Didn't George Clooney have like a movie that talked about this? Like where, you know, they were in the military and like we're trying to mind control goats or something or. Oh, like, yeah. I haven't watched that. Um, okay. I think it was a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, that sounds right. The Men Who Stare at Goats. Is that what it was called? I think that was it. Okay. Yeah, I, again, didn't watch it either, but time to kill, so. <laughs> I know I'm supposed to be watching this uh, Tiger King show. I watched it. We went through it. You got um, it? Yeah, we did it. We we did the whole thing. Um, it, uh, <laughs> he's a special kind of redneck. Okay. Like, that's a, and there's some, there's some rednecky stuff that's hilarious to, at the beginning of it, and then it gets kind of twisty and dark. <laughs> Mm. And uh, yeah, uh, pretty much everybody sucks. That's in the that's in the show at the end of it. That's that's your takeaway. Yeah. Is that everybody is just they just suck. And the weird thing is, is that so I if I don't know if you've ever been around um, animal activists, like the people that are hardcore, you know, one way into that. Uh -huh. Like, for example, my ex-wife was heavily, heavily involved in the Humane Society. So. Right. You know, we were around rescue people and in all that stuff, right? Um, I will say they are a different breed in big cat people. They're even more of a different breed than I knew existed out there. But uh, it, in some ways, it will surprise you uh, if you've ever been around that world at all. You could see like that Airedale rescue lady, like being a psycho about that. Like if they went a step further from where they are. Mm -hmm. Uh, they would end up where Joe Exotic and and all these people are. I, yeah, um, I haven't watched yeah, it, so I, I have no idea what you're talking about. But well, um, it's worth watching. I mean, if not for uh, anything, then the small snippets of 
uh, music video that this guy put out um, that looked like they were filmed in 1985. It were all like, uh, you know, the glamour portrait shots. Yeah. Like they, it, it, the whole video feels that way. Mm. Um, yeah, it, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's worth watching. Okay. I, I think in some ways it's overhyped, but um, it, it was interesting. Yes. Okay. So Tiger King and this Mysterious Universe podcast, I, I feel like I have my, my week planned out for me now. Yeah. I mean, at least a day or two, right? Do I have to go through it all? How many episodes is there? I see. I still haven't even About watched the Tiger King. Yeah, I, I want to say it's like six. I haven't watched The Witcher yet either. The Water? The Witcher on Netflix. Well, like, do they turn people into witches? <laughs> like, what is a Witcher? He, that's the dude. That's the the guy who played Superman plays the Witcher. Which Superman? The newest one. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, I'm not. Really, yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I heard. About I'm just that. not. I'm, I'm. I'm more of a Batman than a Superman guy. So okay. Well, what is a Witcher? Oh, uh, I. I haven't even. It's based off of a game. That's based off of a book. I haven't even read the books. I haven't played the game. I just know that it's a show like I'm a supposed to game? watch. Yeah, like a video game. Video game. Oh, well, I'm already out. <laughs> Any movie based off or uh, based off a of video game, I'm out. I no think thanks. the. I think the Netflix show is based off of the book, though. Okay, maybe then. I don't know. Like that Ready Player One game? Nope. Never. Or movie? Never. We'll see that. Oh, well, that's, a, that's based off of a book. That's not based off of a game. But it's all about video games. People playing video games saving the world, right? <laughs> I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Which will, I think that's the premise, which will never happen ever. So you have to do things in reality. Don't to comment save about the world movies that you haven't seen, Adam. I don't want to hear your comments about know. movies that you haven't even seen yet. I don't know. I saw enough of the previews, right? <laughs> I saw There's the trailer. Certain... It looks stupid. Yeah. It's a lot like evaluating potential draft prospects, right? Like, you know, you, you look at their highlight reel and you're like, oh, no, no never on this guy. Or, oh, yeah, no, I really like him. It is, you I know, with, say... it, with it being the draft time of the year, mm -hmm. I have a hard time with the highlight videos, especially running backs. Like every running back highlight video is a dude just running in open field. Right. You can't, you cannot do running back evaluation off of highlight films for sure. You've got to watch them in context. Uh, otherwise, you, uh, you'll have a difficult time telling who's good or not. You might draft like a Rashad Penny early for like no reason if you, if you do that. But every one of those guys, too, you go back and you watch a regular running back game and they all look the same. It's, you know, three or four yards. Getting tackled. Oh, college football? Huh? I, I, I disagree. Uh, in fact, my biggest draft crush that I hope that we do draft late, because I think he'll probably slip. Mm -hmm. I was watching Joe Burrow, right? Trying to you know get my evaluation up on him and thumbs up on Joe Burrow. Yeah. Like, not a lot to not like there. But have you ever like went back and looked at stuff and you're looking at one player, but this other guy keeps flashing oh, yeah. over and over again? Yeah, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. That dude is a baller. Yeah. Yeah. He's I gonna he's him. gonna I bet he'll go in the first three rounds. Maybe even round I think he'll go in round two. Worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I I really like his game. I do too. He's the the bummer is is you know, listening to, to Rob Staten and talking to Alistair Corp about the, mm -hmm. the 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 prototypical Seahawks running back and what the Seahawks always look for in terms of their size. And Edwards Hilaire is is underneath that size. And so whether or not they'll move from their their the way they do things normally 
and go for a guy like that, I think that'd be fine. But don't they also look for guys with um, special traits that are just kind of off the charts? Like, and then the size be damned. I mean, uh, hello, Russell Carrington Wilson. Uh, I mean, in in Edwards Hilaire, his lateral quickness is special. Yeah. And maybe in a, a year like this where they, I don't know, I, I, I go back and forth. I'm really curious to see how they go with things this year, because if this will be a year where they haven't been able to go to pro days, where they haven't been able to bring people to the facility, I think they do. They are allowed to talk with players over Skype a little bit more than okay. in, in past years. So they're able to have those face-to-face conversations. But I wonder, based on those conversations and watching tape, if it's going to shift some teams and what they usually look for. Yeah, that'd be difficult. I mean, they did already have the combine, right? And do all the interviews there. And that seems to be where most teams make their formative opinion about a guy in his makeup, right? Um, Sometimes you'll see they'll have the draft visits, right? Like leading up to the draft and the guys that they're either further intrigued by or maybe have a few more questions. They're obviously not going to do that. But again, you can do that over freaking Skype. Yeah. Like people act like you can't hang out over Skype. You know how I know you can? (laughs) We do it every week. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And we record it. It's really not that different. No. And I think people, more people are probably realizing that now. I've seen a lot of people doing like drinking parties and hangouts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know there was a uh suggestion to do that with maybe some of the ring of honor folks like i don't know yeah clinton was saying that zoom is doing their premium level uh, mm-hmm. version where you can have like up to 100 people in the same room holy hannah yeah, okay for and they're giving that away for free right now to use okay but stream well, stream which what we use sometime mm-hmm. you can bring in six people so that's okay. that sounds more manageable but yeah, I think you get much over 10 and it, it turns into a bit of a Catfish! show, right? It's it's possible. It's worth a try, though. I mean, try, try yeah, whatever. I, I'm down, but uh, just not on the weekend. OK, because okay. that's when uh, that's you know, the time. girlfriend's off. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're building out there. Yeah. OK. Yeah. We'll figure out a time. I, OK. And I figured since everybody's off, like, wait, why can't we do it during the week? Yeah. Why can't we? Yeah. Oh, happy birthday, by the way. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. Forgot to mention. I, I, it's it's a. I feel very special being born on a day that literally, probably close to a billion people have been born on. Also over the history of time. So hooray for me! It's it's, it's when I think of that day, and I yeah. can't even tell you exactly what the date is, but I just know it was hey, last week. Close. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it I mean, was. You're it happened around since here last time I talked to you. So yeah, yeah you're somewhere around here too. <laughs> yeah, it's coming up. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, hey, uh, merry birthday in advance, because I'm surely going to forget. <laughs> I, I am not worried. I, w- I would not have held you to it. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Jackson from Denver, Colorado uh, says, love, love the show. As a dedicated Seahawks fan, this is the only Seahawks podcast I listen to. Furthermore, will Jadevian Clowney try negotiation with John Schneider, or will he take his probable like 16.5 mil without a fight? Well, it's looking closer to that 16.5 mil. I know. I think Jackson's but, nailed it with us, the uh, salary prediction. Well, not only that, but I just want to thank Jackson for going exclusive with us. I didn't know that uh, that's where we were at in our level of our relationship, but uh, I appreciate it. 
Yeah. Oh, and going back to Devin, too, mentioning the freeloader status. Uh, we've thrown that out there. If you've been listening to this show for mm. for two years, you're within the freeloader grace period. And right. uh, you can Up get to extensions to that. And we weren't we aren't going to hold you to it or anything, especially during tough times like this. Uh, but but it is it is about a two year grace period. That feels right. I mean, and not only that, but um, you say that we're going to give grace periods. Um, screw that. No, no. You, no you're going to be like the is. like the landlords who are sending out letters to their tenants saying, hey, rent's due on the first. Uh, you're going to pay the mm-hmm. rent on the first. Right. Right. We yeah, should, that's me. We should send out letters to all the people who have been listening for more than two years but haven't donated. <laughs> Can they be on uh, pink paper? <laughs> you know, and have like some sort of final notice stamp on them and stuff and some spooky language. Yeah. Yeah. Just like Skype. Uh, last scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That did crack me up. I was like, oh God, Brandon's gone. <laughs> Got a review too. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, coming in uh, from the Brazil iTunes says, hey guys, big fan of yours from Brazil. I love the podcast and the analysis. The do better and better at life makes me laugh every single time. Thanks for everything. Catfish the 49ers and the Rams. Go Hawks. Hey, go Hawks. Uh, I think that might be the first ever message that we've gotten from Brazil, right? I think it might be. Yeah. On my list of countries that I would very much like to go. Yeah. Yeah, even with the snakes. Ooh. Still on my list. Snakes and spiders, probably. Spiders don't bother me. Okay. But, I mean, if I could wear snake boots while I was down there, and I don't think they allow you to have guns down there, but I'd really like one of those, like, 410 shotgun shell pistols, you know? Spiders are kind of creeping me out a little bit more. I've been, I got the Animal Crossing game. Okay. And it's a game that our whole family's been playing and uh you so you're on your own island but you can take trips to other islands oh and you kind of it's kind of a fun game because all you do is like fish and uh it's a game where you spend time outside in the game so it's a it's a little oregon traily is that right Uh, a little bit You're, you're building up your house and you have your little village and yeah it's is it an electronic game it's it's a nintendo switch game Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I didn't know if I, I was thinking board game for whatever reason, but now I get it better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the reason why spiders, it reminded me. So I, one of the islands that I traveled to mm-hmm. was an island that was of, of just tarantula spiders. Yeah. It was terrifying. Yeah. No, you don't want to. And they're there. hard to catch too. Well, in the yeah. game. They're trying. Have you ever caught a tarantula before? No, and uh, not in real life. But no, if you're on that game and have trouble catching tarantulas, I am now the master. Email me. Go Hawks at SeahawkersPodcast.com. All give right, you cool. Call. I also want emails from people who uh, know how to catch tarantulas in real life. Any <laughs> pro tips there would be appreciated. SeahawkersPodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> I like it. What do you say we get on to some do better and better life? Good Lord. Let's do that. (laughs) All right, man. My do better this week uh, revolves around Jeeps. And most people know my affinity for the Jeep brand, especially the Cherokee, Mm -hmm. um, because for the longest time, the Jeep Cherokee was kind of the the Jeep that nobody really looked at like they do a Wrangler. It didn't quite have that cool factor yet, had all the capability, and you could get it for way cheaper. And it was, you know, they're rock solid with that four liter inline six motor. I have a huge affinity for the Jeep Cherokee XJ. 
Like this is this is something that uh, I feel like I was ahead of the curve on. I've had four of them now, you know, throughout the course of my life, and uh, I love this vehicle. And one of the things that I find to be very odd is in the last year or so, all of a sudden there's been an explosion of interest in the Jeep Cherokee XJ. Hmm. I don't know why it is like, but suddenly everybody's just finally realized, oh, these are the bomb. They drive down the road good. You can go down the highway and take a nice road trip. Yeah, you can still bomb up a mountain that's you know got a 30-degree slope angle. You know, you can bomb through that you know mud hole. It's got 12 inches of clearance. It's bulletproof. I, and it's it got glass all the way around you. You can actually see out the freaking car like you used to be able to. Mm-hmm. Remember when your car had like windows bigger than a donut? <laughs> like that's that's what the XJ is. And now it's like it suddenly exploded in popularity to the point that according to uh, Jalapenic, the uh, it's a online publication that deals with vehicles and stuff. During the pandemic, there's been an increase in the stealing of Jeep Cherokee XJs. Oh, no. Because the value's been going through the roof, and now these older vehicles that don't have much for security, let me tell you, uh, are being stolen basically right and left. So for all you a-holes that are out there stealing Jeep Cherokee XJs, people love and cherish these cars more than you would ever know. You're being a dick, and do better. Oh, man. Speaking of people, you know, in that mold, this isn't my do better, but the people and going and doing their grocery shopping at truck stops. uh, Hey, our truckers need to stay on the road and stay healthy. Stay out of their stuff. Keep away. Do your shopping at the grocery store. Don't go pillaging the don't go pillaging the truck stop stores. Wait, 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 wait. Why on earth? Are they going to the truck stop instead of the grocery store? Like, what is the logic there? I don't know. They might be looking for toilet paper, looking for maybe it's not as busy. I don't know. But okay, because I was going to say, if your point is to avoid the virus, right? Yeah. Where are things transported in and out of more than a freaking truck stop? (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's I I think interstate travelers. Like right now, and I mean, I know the majority of our listeners are from the great state of Washington, Mm -hmm. and that's cool. But every time I see a Washington plate in Montana right now, all, it makes my blood boil. And I just want to say, go the catfish home. I, I, we don't need you here right now. I haven't seen it, but I haven't been out either. So, oh, well, I mean, I go from here to the cabin. So basically <laughs> just stop at uh, the truck stop just to, you know, fill up. Yeah. But I don't go inside the store. I wipe down the pump and, you know, pump outside and then just drive right to the cabin. Yeah. Let's leave the truck stops to the truckers and stay home. If you're if you're from a hot spot, stay home. Do not come to the great state of Montana. Maybe they're going to their cabins. I there's too many. There's too no? many. Okay. Yeah. Just trying trying to give you our buy a cabin in Washington. If you're in eastern Washington and coming to Montana, let us know. Go hawks at seahawkerspodcast.com. Let Adam know that he's wrong, that you have a legitimate reason to be in Montana. Right right meow? No. No, you don't. I, I just want to know. Okay. My do better, though, is for um, I this this is kind of a weird do better because it's not do better in the do better type sense. This is right. This is a kind of a, a, a different sort of do better because last week the NFL put out a press release. And so I wanted to make sure and caveat that because this is really what sparked it. And, and because I do think it's really cool. I just think that there's more that can be done and, and they probably will do more. So I'm putting this out as more of a challenge, I guess. Okay. Here's the opening paragraph from the NFL's press release on March 26th. The National Football League announced today that in collaboration 
with the National Football League Players Association, clubs, owners, and players, more than $35 million has been donated to date, including $3.4 million from the NFL Foundation as part of the COVID-19 relief efforts. Okay. Cool. All 30, right. $35 million, pretty cool. When you start to dig into the numbers, though, I mean, $5 million of the $35 million is from Drew Brees alone. Right. And Brees isn't exactly a billionaire. I mean, he's a he's a multimillionaire for sure. So that's three. That's that's fifteen percent from just one of the millionaire athletes, not the the billionaire owners. Which of right. you know, there's thirty two teams. Maybe they're not all billionaires, but they're up there. I think pretty much everyone is, and I and I think, I mean, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, and, and maybe I have, but somebody uh, describing on like a TED talk or something like that the difference between uh, a million and a billion. Oh yeah. Like if you were to if you were to break down a million into seconds and ran out a million seconds, it's something like eleven days. Yeah. Right. If you were to do that for a billion, it's something like thirty or sixty years or something like that. Something crazy. Like that's the difference. Well, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll put it into perspective just from you know for a billionaire because what is five million dollars for for a billionaire? I mean, Drew Brees can afford it. He's, right. he's doing all right. So let's take let's take it down to. Uh, to, to I don't know our level ish. I mean, you, I haven't yeah thousandaire. I I haven't looked at my finances, but I'm I'm hopeful that I'm on the plus side of the balance sheet to where maybe I'm a ten thousandaire. Hey, if you're a multi thousandaire, I'm very impressed. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's... you know, you you have you would have to look at what's in the bank account versus the mortgages versus what the house is worth. Oh, okay, versus... so you're going net worth. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think statistically, if you have. Zero debt and twenty dollars in your pocket, you're richer than something like eighty percent of America. I that would make sense to me. So I I feel pretty fortunate. But so for a billionaire to give away five million dollars would be like a ten thousand air, like I hope I am. Like mm-hmm. I said, I haven't checked the balance sheet. Right. That'd be like fifty bucks. Right. I, I feel like I can swing fifty bucks. Yeah. I, I spent mean, forty bucks on dinner last night. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I think I think both of us could come up with fifty bucks to you know hand out to you know somebody in need, right? Yeah. So and for I don't a billionaire, you, but I I ended up buying some things for some people around me that I knew either wouldn't or couldn't prepare for some of this, and uh, I probably shelled out more than fifty bucks would be my guess. And I think a lot of us are in that position to where we'll help out the ones around us who are kind of struggling right now. I know. Yeah. I got a mom who works at the mall and the mall's obviously not open. So right. Things you have to, you have to work through things. And uh, so that's why uh, to the NFL owners, I challenge you to do better. Yeah, I, th- I think they can. Um, you know, I also have seen this thing called history and I know they won't. Ooh, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> They're greedy, man. I mean, I guess that's how you get to be a billionaire because that's a lot of money. That's exactly how you get to be a billionaire. Either that or you get really lucky on something. Yeah. Oh, like Mark Cuban? Yeah. Yeah. Or you're somebody like Elon, right? Who's like, ah, we need ventilators right now? Well, we'll just build those then. And uh, we'll give them away to for free to the places that really need it. Not like to stockpile, but like, you know, you're down to one and you need another. We'll just send one out to you. Don't worry about it. Man, I, I have a. Is that your better at life? 
No, no, it's it's much uh, more whimsical than that. Oh. It's actually going to be a choose your own adventure, Brandon. Ooh, uh, I love these. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to give you the choice. If you're a product of the '80s, they do have choose your own adventure books now, but yeah. I feel like it's not the same as the choose your own adventure books from the '80s. They lost their luster somehow. Yeah, yeah, it's not the and same. I, I, it makes me one of the things that this whole situation has made me want to do is go to the used bookstore. And just load up on boxes of old books like that. Like all the old Choose Your Own Adventures, Louis L'Amour, Tom Clancy, mm, and just mm-hmm. like boxes of them and store them up at the cabin. It's a good spot I think that would be good. But all right. So Choose Your Own Adventure, Brandon. Do you want to hear me talk about things regarding lawns? <laughs> Which you know how I feel about lawns. Or page 35. Or uh, Uranus. <laughs> I think I know the Uranus one, which is an amazing headline. So I, I want to hear your take on lawns. Oh, okay. Well, my better at life than Skip Bayless this week, Brandon, uh, could have been for just the simple headline, NASA data shows something leaking out of Uranus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think one of our Ring of Honor members shared that uh, for oh, did you. They? I missed it. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, but instead, my better at life than Skip Bayless this week is for CNN uh, and Matthew Ponsford uh, for writing an article you know, with the title, Designing an End to a Toxic American Obsession, The Lawn. Mm. And he goes down, he goes on to break down the absolute absurdity and stupidity that is The Lawn. Like, he, he goes into, like, in the state of California where, I don't know if you knew this, Brandon, not a lot of water. No. You look around, no water. Uh, it's a problem. In half of every household's consumption of water, the most precious resource on this planet, mm-hmm. drinkable fresh water, and half of it is spent on the freaking lawn to take gold grass and turn it green instead of just letting it go gold. Yeah. And then you got to mow it more, which is, it's so freaking stupid. Yeah. So this whole article is talking about how uh, the sheeple of America are now waking up to this. And instead of, you know, just having this stupid lawn, they're starting to create mini ecosystems in their front yard with a diversity of plants and wildlife that are maybe native to that area that don't need extra watering because they're used to the amount of water that falls out of the freaking sky. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It seems to work. Uh Uh-huh. And so they, they go on to just describe a lot of the different ways this is beneficial to you and your time, be the environment and see just logic and kind of put it out there for people to maybe change their ways. And for that, better at life than Skip Bayless. We got to get the HOAs on board. Yeah. Uh, Well, that that is not the culturally acceptable uh, area in front of your house because the grass is somebody back in 1642 decided that uh, uh, short grass is uh, nicer than long grass and long grass is ugly, even though it's not. But uh, pay me $2,000 a year to be uh, the chairman of the HOA to let you know that you have to waste time, resources in the environment on your stupid lawn. I, you know, I don't even think that you pay HOA fees where you're at and you still have uh, someone up your butt about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of my big motivating factors for taking this two months and adding on to the cabin so that I can then go there full time where I do things like, you know, let the bear grass grow or, 
uh, all the native flowers that pop up. Um, really, the only thing I have to do is pick the napweed. That's it. And guess what? It's beautiful. I'm glad that you found an advocate, though, through the media on this. I think, I think, like I said, I think the sheeple of America are starting to wake up to the farce and conspiracy that is the American lawn. The Jeeps have gotten the Emmert bounce to where now people are stealing them. Mm-hmm. And now it just now if just the golden grass can get the Emmert bounce now. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's starting to. And then look, I mean, right now, I mean, the way I live my entire life is starting to look freaking genius. <laughs> and people are like, why in the world do you have two months of food stocked up? Because this. <laughs> Why do you have a, a month and a half of toilet paper stocked up? Because this, which, by the way, is like one case, all right? Not yeah. like 46. Yeah. All right? I mean, why do you have a self-sustaining cabin in the woods with solar panels and a well that you dug and all that? Because this. <laughs> it's all coming around to my way of thinking, which has taken 41 years too long. <laughs> well, moving on to my better at life. <laughs> I like skip. how there's no follow-up to that. That's great. <laughs> I, you've already sold me on this. We don't need to. You, I, you don't need to win me over on this. What, what do you want me to follow up on? I don't I'm, know. I don't, I, no, you're so smart, Adam. You're right. The, yeah, all of your life. thinking Thank to you. this point through life has finally paid off. Congrats to you. Yeah, I'm good looking. You're unattractive. I'm smart. You're dumb. All that stuff. Okay, all good. That stuff. Glad okay. we got that out. Thank you. I, I forgot that you were fishing for a compliment there. Moving <laughs> on. <laughs> Someone who's not been fishing at me for a compliment. Nah. Vincent Parker. Our member of the Ring yes. of Honor. Go if you haven't, go to our Facebook page, mm-hmm. Facebook.com slash Seahawkers Podcast. Check out Vincent Parker's work that he's done in his uh quarantine painting studio. Because he took a photo uh that I, I shot of Marshawn in twenty fourteen playing against the Broncos, and he turned it into art. He turned it into art. It's Marshawn Lynch busting through the hole, Clinton Bonner. Gave it a, a title, says you ain't tackling beast mode with just arms. And and Vincent Parker did this on a a 10 by 8 piece of wood using acrylic paint. Oh. And it is incredible. I, if you go to the Facebook page, it shows the painting above it and then the actual photo below. And the amount of detail that he fits onto a 10 by 8 uh, is pretty incredible. And yeah. he's, work, he's working on another one, too. And one that I think is going to be a hit for our military Seahawkers crowd. So for Vincent, using some of his quarantine time to do some Seahawks and Seahawkers themed paintings. Better at life than Skip Bayless. His work is really good. It's been pretty amazing to watch uh, him kind of display some of the things he's been working on. Uh, He did ask for suggestions, however, in the Ring of Honor. And I'm a little disappointed. I mean, and I like your photo and everything, Brandon. I'm not I'm not trying to tear that down or anything. It just felt like the wrong uh, Marshawn photo to use. Like I, I kind of wanted uh, the photo of Marshawn at the end of the Beastquake run, jumping up into the air and grabbing his groin. Uh-huh. The crotch grab yeah. photo. Like that's kind of what I was looking for. But uh, this was cool too. I do, I don't have a photo that I took of the Marshawn Lynch Beastquake. No. Well, that's okay. So. I mean, he can be inspired by somebody else's photo online. That's right? true. So okay. go to the Facebook page, uh, and he's taking comments there, too. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and, and share what you think Vincent should work on next. Right. It, it, Seahawks related, of course, right? Sure. Okay. Or whatever. Or whatever. <laughs> I mean, you can find inspiration from anywhere, right? Yeah. Like, uh, I, I saw, I, I want to say it was somebody 
a listener of the show had uh, on their Facebook page and they were like, okay, take the Googles and put it in your first name and then Glamour Shot. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then whatever po- pops up, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, mine was a dude, you know, of course it's soft focus because uh, they all are. It's Glamour Shot. Yeah, with a, with a mullet with this kind of like unicorn hoodie. Yeah, that was pink with like little like uh, pink uh, hooves that went over his hands too that he held up in front of him. It, it, it was um, that was. Funny. Oh, Maybe. I see it. That is yeah. incredible. <laughs> yeah. I felt uh felt like that one fit, and uh, so maybe maybe Vincent could do a rendition of that if he feels inspired, you know. Yeah, a, a glamour shot of Adam. <laughs> no, not of me. Although it's not of that guy of, of that, that guy. guy. I did get our. You see, you can probably see behind me, Adam. I got. Uh, remember when Becca sent our that drawing? I got it up oh, behind me on the wall now. No, it oh. came in the frame. Oh, it did. Okay. Yeah. I didn't yeah. remember it being in the frame for whatever. No, reason. no, it was in a frame. But it looks nice. Your podcast room looks nice. You've been taking. I can see you have taken some of this quarantine time to uh, to do better in that aspect. Um, as you can see, I have not. <laughs> um, maybe it's time, especially if we're going to do a hangout. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, clean have, that. You better clean that up. Yeah, this is this is out of control. <laughs> it's kind of become the catch-all room. Well, I with me doing more work calls. I, I figured oh. I should have it cleaned up. Yeah. A bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know about your choice of the shoe tree in the background though. I had some um I, I have some food storage under the ben- uh, under the bench over on the other side, so I moved the shoe tree. But okay. uh, I'll I'll probably move that back over out of the shot. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Or well, maybe just put it in the garage. Look, I will say, Brandon, you know, as we do embark on this adventure with all of the mainstream media now doing this stuff from home, uh, <laughs> what you got going on there, far superior. Yeah, I can even throw on a light on myself. I don't have it on just because I don't need to be. Yeah. Because uh, I don't need to be blinking over and over again. But look how much of a difference that makes. Oh, yeah. When, it's I, even when color, I throw a light on myself. Yeah, it's even color balanced nicely. Yeah. Uh, you, you got that nice Rembrandt lighting going on there. I would maybe suggest you know, something to soften it up just a bit, you know, like maybe if you have a pillowcase or something, you could, you know, drape over. But this is coming from me who like, I've got this just atrocious overhead light that makes my fl- forehead glow uh, and uh, accentuates the fact that, uh, you know, any one of my next haircuts could be my last because it's it's going way quickly. <laughs> yeah. Usually in the summertime, you open up the shades and you get the nice uh, outside light coming in too. Oh, I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. But all right. Well, it's not guess, hard, uh, people. Yeah. I guess uh, you know, some of the listeners when we do our hangout, they'll they'll get to see all of the the wonderness of this. All the of our lighting conditions in our various studios. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, if people don't know, uh, I my office isn't actually it's a converted mudroom. Yeah. Between the garage and And you would not in a million years would you guess that thing was made out of mud, man. Like it's beautiful. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. When you put up, you know, just some yeah. some drywall. Yeah. I mean, don't they call that cob? But I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> and with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.